Hey guys, just a reminder that the 2022 Small Town Monsters Kickstarter is happening right now. You can be a part of funding all four of our feature length film productions that are coming out this year. You can get your name in the credits and all that stuff. You can also be a part of helping to fund all the amazing YouTube content we're putting out. The link is in the description. Hit the button, become a backer, be a part of Small Town Monsters. Hello, welcome to The Lore You Know, a show where we chat with some amazing human beings who are storytellers, collectors, and folklorists as we discuss the history of, importance behind, and inspiration of recording and sharing regional tales. <laughs> uh, today with me, I have Mark Matsky and Andy Matsky. Wow. <laughs> Hello. Hi. Yeah. Have you guys been interviewed together before? I don't recall. I don't think so. I don't think just the two of us. No. 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 I think this is oh a first. Oh boy. A brand this new. Just when you first. think you've done it all. <laughs> no. No. Now you have. Yeah. Our, <laughs> this our, is it. This is the last you. thing you needed. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh man. Um, so obviously we talk about stories on the show. Andy would know because Andy's the showrunner and he's been here for pretty much all of them. Right there. Yeah. But not today. But not today. Today's my day. <laughs> yeah. He's in the light, the spotlight yeah. today. Um, Andy, first storyteller that you can remember when you were growing up, like family-wise. Family-wise? That instilled the love of stories and remember your dad is right next to you. Um, I mean, he is the first person that comes to mind. <laughs> yeah. I think, especially like within the family. Mm-hmm. But everyone in my family, I think, is storytellers in their own way. Mm -hmm. um, I remember a lot of stories from my grandparents um, on my father's side. They both would always tell stories of you growing up or of family history or things they experienced. But yeah, when it comes to family, it's hearing stories from him, especially like through preaching is sort of what... I remember is always being a little kid sitting in the pew and hearing him preach and the stories throughout that. Mm -hmm. Were there any stories that you heard repeatedly that whenever it would come up, it was just a calming sense. Like I know this story, I, it's home or reminds um, you of dad. I don't know. I really don't know. That's a good, good question. Um, there certainly were a lot of like bedtime stories mm -hmm. early on that were sort of made up. And because I was the the kid I was, they tended to do with like monsters yeah. and Godzilla <laughs> and like kids who got turned into monsters. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I remember a few stories like that. Um, but I don't know if any... Well, I'm sure there were some that were comforting. It's not like these were all <laughs> terrible stories, but I don't remember of any like real super familiar stories. And I the think. monsters destroyed Tokyo. Yeah. Good night. Yeah. And everyone died. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Sleep well. <laughs> so these weren't tales of warning, Mark, when you were telling them. Yeah, right. They're not cautionary tales, really. I don't think. When you say that... Um, that Mark made up stories for you. Were they stories that were familiar or did you come up with your own characters? Like one of I'm just thinking of, I, my dad had, uh, Oscar the pig, which doesn't exist anywhere, oh but in the my stories goodness. my dad made. Yeah. This is taking me like into the deep past in a way, but it was <laughs> a lot of made up characters yeah. as I think about it. I mean, they were probably variations on, on TV characters, certainly like mm -hmm. cryptids and stuff or, giant monsters and robots, but it would always be stuff that we kind of um, synthesized, I guess. And like it would, it reached a point very quickly where we started almost collaborating mm -hmm. in telling the story or it'd like go up to a certain point and we just, you know, either resolve it or go in a completely different direction. I mean, it's, you know, it's yeah. kids, you just. Yeah. Did you do voices? 
Probably yeah. sound <laughs> effects. Yeah. Sure. Definitely sound effects. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. <laughs> so what was the first, um, like, show that you remember watching that got you into monsters? Or would the I- idea of monsters come from your dad talking about them or books that you read? Or was it a show that kind of instilled that? This is interesting yeah. for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the first, the with cryptids specifically, mm-hmm. what I remember really bringing that into the forefront of my mind, even though I don't think it was the first time I'd heard of it, was Monster Quest. Mm. I'd vividly remember watching the the Beast of Bray Road episode of Monster Quest. And that being the first time that it was like, I remember that, that narration and seeing things and sort of being introduced to like these reoccurring themes of eyewitnesses and investigators and what investigators do and that these stories go way back. Mm-hmm. And that these can happen in Wisconsin. And it's like, but they're also, all those stories go way back. And when it comes to like monsters, I mean, I was watching shows like Ultraman and various Godzilla shows mm-hmm. from as long as I can remember. Like yeah. there isn't a first time. I mean, it was preschool, kindergarten. <laughs> I was drawing those characters and. Right. Thinking about those things and pretending I was in those shows. Mm-hmm. Well, as you were growing up, did you find friends that were familiar with this or were you introducing these things to them? I was, I had no, there was no one who knew <laughs> what I was talking about. And that's been a reoccurring yeah. theme for <laughs> most of my life. But um, no, there wasn't uh, anyone, but I would introduce them and they'd be like, oh, that's cool. And they'd understand and we did have our our common ground so i could sort of be like it's like star wars the clone wars but way cooler or or things like that um also something when it comes to monsters that's a first that i kind of remember vividly is like first american monster movie this might not be true but this is sort of how i remember it is abin costello meet frankenstein Mm. that was that was a gateway into a whole world that like that's a whole nother story but that's sort of like that's Frankenstein, that's Dracula, you know, that's the Wolfman, mm-hmm. that's who those characters are. Yeah. And the introduction of that, and of course, you know, going down that rabbit hole and ones related to it started with that. Awesome. Mark, I remember you talking to me about when you got older, finding, uh, was it Linda Godfrey's book? Yeah. Um, and realizing that that happened, the Beast of Bray Road stuff happened mm-hmm. not far from where you grew up. Right. So <laughs> did you, knowing that as an adult, then look for things around where you were growing or where Andy was growing up, like when Andy was young, find places so that he could have that connection as well? Yeah, I mean, to a certain degree, the place where that was easiest was in Southeast Ohio mm-hmm. when we lived near Salt Fork. Mm. because there, I mean, you could just go to the Salt Fork Lodge gift shop, <laughs> walk yeah. in and there's books mm-hmm. and stuffed Bigfoot, little plush figures and mm-hmm. t-shirts and everything. And there's a, you know, a heritage of that now where that it, the lodge and at the campground, uh, it's just embraced. So mm-hmm. I think that's part of it. Um, very definitely there at the Wills Creek area. We got over there because of the stories that we had heard and, so we were cross-referencing. At some point, I, there was a map on a wall <laughs> of places where in Ohio yeah. where we had uh, gone to in person because of stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to backtrack a bit, I remember when we first lived up in Northeast Ohio, um, threats of you going and taking me where the melon heads were. Vividly. <laughs> so there yeah. were tales of caution? Is that what like, you said? Yeah, and I think it was more <laughs> and fun. And I'd be yeah. like, no. And yeah. I mean, we never did, to my knowledge, no, which is kind we, of surprising. No, but also we never did. Probably a bit of a wimp. But like. Huh? Um, <laughs> what about now? Yes. Now I go there if I have a free night and I don't know what else to do. And I'm you go, home, uh, I'll drive down. Wisner Road. Yeah. Really? Hope to see Melon Hats. Yeah. That's yeah I'll cool. take friends there. <laughs> yeah. Legend trip with them. Yeah. Yeah. What other legend tripping have you guys done together other than Bigfoot and threats of Melon Heads, even though that didn't come together? Wow. Uh, a lot of it is, you know, tied into STM. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the 
example that pops into my mind immediately is Boggy Creek. Because that's, yeah. you know, that was a movie that we had watched together. You know, we were into the, the whole swamp Bigfoot thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then when it became clear that we were going to go to Falk and see Boggy Creek in person, I mean, that really became incredibly exciting. So uh, that's a big one. But like you tick off the list of places that we've been on STM shoots. It's like it goes hand in hand with sort of the, the monster quest era mm-hmm. in places that we had seen and heard about. Um, I'm trying to think of ones that we did like independently of that. And I guess it all, it was, it was a lot of it's uh, Salt Fork State Park related or just Southeast Ohio, different hiking excursions that we went on. There's been a lot of return trips to Kecksburg. Oh, mm. sure. If yeah. you want to count that. I mean, that's when we first went down Meteor Road, which is mm-hmm. where the crash happened was after an STM shoot because we weren't around when they they filmed that part of Invasion. But yeah, it's it's sort of hard to think of stories that don't have to do with Bigfoot because right. that was my big interest, no pun intended, growing <laughs> up and still remains. And we were sort of in this prime location where you really didn't have to look for too much. I mean, there were stories of big cats in Zanesville also, mm-hmm. either I think it was in, actually, I have no recollection of when, maybe mm-hmm. 70s, there were, I think it was older, was it not? Yeah, Anyways, yeah. it's mm-hmm. like there were old reports of big black cats in mm-hmm. the area, and that's, of course, nothing native to um, southeastern Ohio. Um, but it, it almost exclusively was Bigfoot, and it almost was any time we'd go and hike in the woods, which was a lot. Yeah. It would, we would do, we'd look in the books we had if there yeah. were Bigfoot sightings and I'm glad whatnot. you said Chestnut Ridge, though, because that is true. You know, we've gone independently mm-hmm. of the film projects mm-hmm. and stayed there for, you know, about a week at a time. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily, you know, looking for activity, but figuring that this is such a weird area. We're just going to be here mm-hmm. and whatever happens, happens. Did anything happen? Nothing's no. happened yet. Mm-mm. Not yet. Not yet. No. A mm. few gorgeous sunsets. Yeah. Like surprisingly. Great history in that area, though. Mm-hmm. Incredible history. And, yeah, that's the other addition to that area. And I'm that's the area we've spent a lot of time in is our fascination with the the regional history. Mm-hmm. Where do you have connections to Seven Years War, American Revolution, all these things, and and more, way more. That it's just that's an area that if you're a fan of local history and monsters, you can just spend weeks on end. Yeah, there. all in one place. Mm-hmm. And they pay attention to it there. I mean, it, they they nurture that. Mm-hmm. Like the Westmoreland Historical Society is just a, a county institution, but they have their own museum and library of books. Stan Gordon's books are in that library. That's which cool. Which is really awesome. Right next to all these very... Um, you know, credentialed mm-hmm. historians. It's really, it's remarkable. And they, you know, they, they are tending to those stories very well in yes. a way that I don't, you know, I guess I haven't run across anything completely equivalent. to Yeah. That, that Westmoreland museum is amazing. It's so good. Highly recommend if you're in the area for Bigfoot and whatnot that to check that out. Cause I, part of their local history is the fact that Westmoreland County was the first County in the contiguous U.S. to be founded west of the Appalachian Mountains or the Alleghenies that are there. That's cool. So that's like, and that whole area was at one point mm-hmm. Westmoreland County, and then of course they parceled it up more and more. But mm-hmm. and it's it's very a very rich land for history, tons of stories. That's awesome. It's good to always hear about <clears throat> local areas that like foster that. Mm-hmm that interest in in the historical aspect of things without it getting lost. Are there other places that you've been that you feel would, I mean, obviously any place would benefit from having people dedicated to preserving the history of that area, but are there other places where it would have been like, oh man, it would have been great if there had been a library dedicated to something in this region or just, it feels like things just kind of slipping away. Um, There's just an opportunity for things to be saved. 
I was going to say Falk, and then I yeah. remembered the Miller County Historical Museum and sure. the fact that that's what that is and that that's a wonderful place. Mm -hmm. So that's not it. Um, I don't know. I feel like Elkhorn probably has a lot of history that's fading. Mm -hmm. um, Point Pleasant has the Mothman Museum, and I think they care a lot about the local history, but there's probably a good amount yeah. there mm -hmm. that remains to be protected mm -hmm. or claimed. Yeah. But I'm not saying Mothman Museum is excluding. I mean, they just have their... Yeah. Yeah, my perception is that the further west you go, the more chance there is that that type of history has been neglected. Mm -hmm. Like when you move towards the east, that you have your best chance of there being a historical society. A lot of that is tied into like Civil War history right. or American Revolution. Um, you know, I just I noticed that one time we were um, I had a wedding. I did a wedding in um, in Virginia. And so we drove from. Zanesville over to uh, Virginia Beach, that area. And as we went in that direction, it just incredibly, uh, the Civil War stuff just came popping, like mm -hmm. roadside signs and small places along the way. You can just feel the history there, and mm -hmm. it's preserved in such a good way. And I, I guess it's just been my experience that the further west you go, you know, with the expansion, People didn't have time to make a little <laughs> museum about what was happening. They were just trying to survive. Survive, yeah, exactly. I, I think at this point now, a lot of locations are starting to recognize the, um, you know, there's a variety of reasons why preserving the history is important. And one of them is bringing people there mm -hmm. as, as tourists and learners, that there can be a, a untapped market there if you're not doing that. Yeah. And I think of like... Um, Cliffs Museum out there mm -hmm. in Boring, Oregon. <laughs> um, now, that's not so much an area historical, but it is, I think, probably sneaky history mm -hmm. sure. along with the Bigfoot stuff. Absolutely. Is there a place that you two haven't traveled together, but you want to, <laughs> whether it's an STM shoot or otherwise, just a, a place that you would like to based on your love of history or monsters or whatnot? Monsters Bluff Creek. Is what I would say. Mm -hmm. That's where I want to go. Yeah. Real bad. Because that's sort of, I mean, it's not the only spot I haven't been. Mm -hmm. But it's one place that I really, really want to go to. Um, History-wise, um, I don't know. I think there's lots of places we'd go back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But new a new place. <laughs> Good question. Yeah. Well, I have a couple. I have, one would be... Um, <laughs> One would be the desert southwest. I That's think true. would be incredible. We've never been out there, you and yeah. I. No. I've right. been out there with mom once. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I think it'd be a lot of fun to go to Utah and like mess around in the Uinta Basin and like, you know, skinwalker ranch type mm -hmm. stuff and get as close as we could get to Area fifty one. Cause that's that's really fun. Um and one trip, I guess this would be somewhat historical, would be the tie-in, mm -hmm. is uh, my understanding is that if you leave Chicago, you can take an Amtrak train all the way to um, Glacier National Park and their lodge. Like wow. you basically get off the train there and you're at the lodge at Glacier. Wow. I would love to do that trip. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'm down. I don't know. Are you looking at our awesome yeah, map? Yeah. Kind of like <laughs> map places. We have map those. Land. Yes. You're just. But yeah, you're right. I mean, Northern California <clears throat> would be ideal. I've never been there. I and mean, my one the foray to California was Disneyland, <laughs> like an overnight, and then went back to Las Vegas after that. But More yeah. time in New England would be fun too. I mean, we've been up in Maine, but beyond that, I haven't spent much time on the northern East Coast. Mm -hmm. yeah, the North Woods of Maine would be awesome. Yeah. Katahdin and all that stuff would be. And there's history there. Ideal. Mm -hmm. history. Yeah, the history. Oh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> so since Mark's been on here before, I got to hear his um, introduction to how he met Seth and started to get into STM. And I want your perspective, Andy, on how you came to be involved with STM. Um, my involvement 
with small town monsters is definitely an example of providence. Like there's no way this could have just happened in my opinion. Um, it was 2014. Right. It was 2014. My version has a lot more confusion than <laughs> any other version of people here. Um, it was 2014, and it was the Ohio Bigfoot Conference. And uh, we had been to the Ohio Bigfoot Conference a few times before. We sort of knew what we were doing at that point. And it was the night of the VIP dinner. It's like the first night at um, the Ohio Bigfoot Conference. Mm-hmm. And we get there on time, like because we like that's what you do. And there had been a bunch of people who had showed up there already. And mm-hmm. Theo's restaurant in Cambridge was already like packed to the gills. And um, when we got there, we like ran into Cliff Barrickman, who we didn't know personally at, at the time. We had met him a few times before because yeah. of um, previous conferences and a Finding Bigfoot taping we had been a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, and we ran into him and chatted with him for a little, like you did, and I was sort of just standing <laughs> off silently. And, but it was really cool because that's like that's Cliff. That's yeah, like that's a guy I looked up to, mm-hmm. like grew up watching on television, mm-hmm. and like we just met him. Like that's crazy. And like while that happened, my mom was off finding us a seat, and she she came to us, and which was remarkable. She has she used to have a much more severe like fear of crowds. Mm-hmm. So, and it wasn't really super crowded in there, but still for my mom to do that, it was kind of wild. Yeah. And then, um, my mom came to us and said, well, like I found us a table with these two gentlemen. They said they let us sit with them. And then immediately in my 11 year old mind, I'm thinking, oh no, these are two strangers at a Bigfoot conference. And forgive me, listener, but I think, you know, in your heart of hearts that, uh, Two random people at a Bigfoot conference has like a high possibility of being some of the weirdest people you're going to meet. And I guess it could that's be for anything. Us. It could yeah. be anything. It could be anything. Yeah. Like, I was sort of thinking, even in that age, it was like two guys in like camo and <laughs> right. that were like Whipping ready to tell pictures. us about like the proof. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right but here. instead, it was um, Seth, mm-hmm. and his dad. And this is Seth. Yeah. Pre-small town monsters. Yeah. So um, it's not like we got to sit with Seth Breedlove and that's how we... No, Seth was a nobody. (laughs) Did you just look at the camera for that? (laughs) Yeah, for listeners. Hey, time out. This was ancillary characters. Oh, true. Yeah, that's true. This was comic book podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And writing... In the newspaper, Seth yeah. was Seth wasn't a nobody. I'm I'm kidding. I tease him. <laughs> Says he, it with love. Yeah, but um, in the crypto world, mm. right, right. This this was, this was a, basically a no one, mm. and so <laughs> we um we sat with them and started talking with them. And they were really nice, mm-hmm. um, pretty normal, mm-hmm. all things considered, and. You know, we had tons of things in common, like loving Jack Kirby comic books and the latest Godzilla movie, like the 2014 American Godzilla movie had just came out. So we chatted with them about that and Pacific Rim Rim, and Ronnie, Seth's dad, is like one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. So that was really cool. And and Ronnie had made pens for all the guests because he makes these wonderful, you know, handcrafted pens. And... He made them for all the guests. And so as dinner went on, the special guests, one by one, would come over to our table yeah. and, like, be right there. Yeah. And so, like... You're geeking out. I'm geeking out. Yeah. Like, Chris came back over again. <laughs> I'm trying to remember who else was there. Bob Gimlin came over at one point, and that, like, <laughs> blew my mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> completely like <laughs> here's Bob Gimlin I think we had heard him speak before too but it still was like he's right there yeah yeah what oh, man like, that's and and so and then skipping ahead in time mm-hmm. um you were on ancillary characters to talk about Godzilla yes. and then you start doing this Bigfoot show with Seth and I believe I believe no, that's wrong. I was going to say, all that started the ball rolling of you and I doing Monsterland Ohio Radio. But that was Sasswet did that, didn't it? 
When did that start? Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's. I don't know things, guys. I don't. <laughs> you were young. I was there, but yeah. Yeah, it's, Seth invited me to be on ancillary characters. And full disclosure, I didn't know how to do any of this, <laughs> any podcasting whatsoever. Yeah. So I had to play catch up and figure out how to even have a microphone mm. that was decent. And the one I chose was not. <laughs> but yeah, then with like the sixth episode of Sasswit, Seth had me come on and just talk about the Ohio Bigfoot Conference. And I think it, it, it's it, within that timing that, you know, I, I actually bought a, a good internet, like USB microphone for your laptop. Mm -hmm. And I, that's really what I think got me in the mindset of, well, that's fun. It's would be a fun father and son thing to do. Let's do our own show for really no, and really purely too, I must add, because it wasn't for an audience. We weren't mm -hmm. trying to monetize this or even tell anybody <laughs> about it per yeah. se, but just a fun thing to do mm -hmm. and talk about stuff that we enjoy. Yeah. We knew we had friends who would appreciate it, and that mm -hmm. was about it. But back to small my journey to small town mon stardom. Um, <laughs> mon stardom? That's good. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I thought of that on the fly. <laughs> um, Sasswit went on. And then Minerva Monster came about. And mm -hmm. I thought, that's cool. Mm -hmm. I didn't really, I didn't think much of it. I was, like, on board. I, like, was like, oh, cool. Friends making a movie. No way. Um, and then as the, prog as the projects progressed, you know, you would slowly start watching Rough Cuts. And I would be there for that sometimes. And I'd start writing notes and... I'd give my feed. Seth would ask for my feedback too, and that's mostly how it started. And then um, when Boggy Creek came around to filming, we were invited to go on the shoot, and that was really my introduction to all this. And it was also my first time really going to one of these sort of, you know, highly esteemed locations, mm -hmm. and. Um, I mean, I had been to Salt Fork, which maybe some people consider that on a, on a somewhat similar playing field, but it was my first time going those, and it was my first time being involved with a movie, mm -hmm. and I had a big interest in, like, in movies prior to this. Mm -hmm. Sort of grew up on behind-the-scenes featurettes and things like that. Um, and so being a part of a movie being made was really cool. And yeah. then um, more and more... I, I got involved in certain ways. Um, and then fast forwarding a few years, um, I slowly like sort of began sh filming on mm -hmm. some of them. And then there's projects like Bigfoot the Journey and Bigfoot Discovery that I was one of the like, main cinematographers on. Mm -hmm. And then now I'm here, you know, working on these shows and working on other things behind the scenes. How my, my whole collection. <laughs> yeah. Has this influenced then what you want to do moving forward? Um, it's definitely played a big part in that. I mean, mm -hmm. Seth and I discussed me interning here mm -hmm. before my senior year of high school, like mm -hmm. the summer before. So all senior year of high school, I knew what was next. Right. Like directly next. And that was really nice and like as my friends stressed about, you know, where they're going to go and what they're going to do, mm -hmm. I had a clue of what right. I was going to do, and that was nice. Um, and this definitely has influenced the way I think about things moving forward and what possibilities could be for the future, at mm -hmm. least based off the skills that I'm acquiring here and now. So when you started, like when you went to Falk, yeah. how old were you? I had just turned 13. Okay, so you were 13 on your first film shoot yes and then it wasn't that long after right that you were speaking at a conference correct um yeah and how did that go like how did that come about and how did that go nerve wise um, were you a mess like um or just whatever it's well, easy the first time <laughs> i spoke at the international cryptozoology conference was what a year or two after that was 2017 i think it was 2017. Oh, yeah. It was so I was 15. No. Minerva Monster Day 2. Okay. Because we had... 14, yeah. I was on a panel. Mm. And we had met Lauren 
um, at the Ohio Bigfoot Conference and sort of become acquainted with him throughout his return there. And that was a whole nerve wracking thing. <laughs> but um, he invited, did you MC that year? Yeah. Yeah. Seth, was Seth there? Yeah. Seth was there. Seth was there for both. Yeah. Yeah. Seth was invited out. That was Golden Your, Yeti. Yeah. That's when he <laughs> became Cryptozoologist of the Year 2017. Um, there's a mug in the other office with yes. Seth's face on it. Yep. And it says Cryptozoologist of the Year. <laughs> um, I don't think Seth made it, but I don't know. Um, <laughs> but <clears throat> what are we talking about? Oh, yeah. So I was on a panel, and I think the most nerve wracking part of that was like, Again, meeting the other like paranormal cryptozoology people mm-hmm. that I was on the panel with, because listen, a lot of these people can be weird, but all these people were really nice and really cool. And yeah. um, I was on a panel with some very smart people. I think what was crazy about that was when I was sitting up on the panel, I I vividly remember looking out in the audience and. You know, I think Seth was in the back. Like I was like, oh, you made it. And Alex Petikoff was there. Mm-hmm. And there was my dad. And sitting next to him was Lauren Coleman. Mm-hmm. And like Lauren was whispering like over saying things that I hope were positive about <laughs> what was going on. And that was, it was wild. It was a great experience. Um, had a lot of fun doing it. And then the next, it was two years later that I spoke on my own mm-hmm. there. And that was scary, but um, that that was another wild experience. So I was speaking in front of Cliff Bergman, mm. and I think Ken Gerhardt was there, who are people I grew up watching. Right. And then, um, unbeknownst to me, in the audience was um, Pamela Pierce, who is Charles Pierce's daughter, the guy who made Legend of Body Creek. And I had um, talked about the Legend of Body Creek and the Legend of Body, Boggy Creek too, in my um, presentation and so afterwards this lady came up to me she's like I really liked what you had to say about my father oh. <laughs> and I was like I <laughs> so that was that was a pretty wild experience too yeah. it was eye-opening to her husband yeah and her husband who they they were in the process of um, the blu-ray restoration and bring all that process and he really hadn't you know, heard anyone say that this movie had affected them in the way that Pam was, you know, saying that it did, you know, Mm -hmm. and was claiming that it it affected people in such ways. And he to hear that from someone that, um, you know, didn't know they were there and was just saying it on their own. Yeah. To him, really, like, I mean, he's told us that that sort of blew him away, that Mm -hmm. there there was this kid, you know, this young guy who was affected by these movies. It wasn't just, you know, old, old farts <laughs> like that. But, um, yeah. Um, as far as the books that you read growing up, were there ones that influenced you particularly? I mean, it was movie wise, Boggy Creek clearly, but mm-hmm. were there any books that you were introduced to that? I was like an avid reader mm-hmm. growing up. Like as much as I'm, <laughs> I may give off that vibe. The fact that I, like, was a collector of books and, like, still am. Mm -hmm. I think a book that really affected me that I did read was, um, what's the one that's, like, the kid's book? That's, like, is it something with cryptids? Yeah, Tales of the Cryptids. It's, like, is, hey, is Tales of the Cryptids. (laughs) And, um, that's a, it's a children's book that Mm -hmm. I read very young. I think it was that and Monster Quest that you can sort of fused together and that's why I got into this stuff Mm -hmm. because that's sort of across the gamut of Bigfoot giant octopus um, like all the classic cryptid stories are in there Tasmanian tiger Mm -hmm. yeah that that book was a really big effect I'm trying to think of other there are other books that definitely I mean even though I might not have read them had a big influence on me which were like Apes Among Us and Bigfoot Casebook pretty much the the books I've used on mm-hmm. Monstropolis. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
I did want to ask you about these binders of information that you have. There's one. There's one. There's one back there, but then there was another binder. There's another. There's another one here. Yeah. In here. Mark, I'm sure you're aware of the binders. Well, how did I like to collect information? Yeah, very orderly. Place. I mean, that yeah. was impressive when he brought that in and said, "This is from what high school or something." When you freshman year, yeah, fresh. Okay, freshman year. Four, I was yeah, fourteen, fifteen. That yeah. a, a freshman is collecting things in a binder for research purposes. That's highly impressive. Yeah, <laughs> Mark, you must be proud. How did this? Well, like, I, how did yeah. that? Did you help him? procure the binders did you like i mean well, walk I through think, yeah, the I mean, process the of research you purchased our house oh, yeah. like financially yes i aided him yeah. in the yeah. binder the, the first binder i think was acquired and put together with a lot of help from my mom because mm-hmm. we were on the trip to the first binder <laughs> is on the mill race monster yeah of columbus indiana mm-hmm. and it was my mom and i who were on that trip Awesome. And I think we got the stuff for that binder on that trip. Probably. I'm almost positive at some at the Target in Columbus, Indiana. Mm-hmm. Because That's a great research story. If you want to just thumbnail yeah. what you did, because this yeah. is really good stuff. <laughs> so my mom and I were going to go to Columbus, Indiana mm-hmm. for um, another reason. And being the kid I was and am, that... Uh, <laughs> And having the small town monsters influence before the trip, I figured, hey, let's look up Columbus, Indiana monster, like mm-hmm. what's on, on the internet. And I did, and there was the Mill Race monster. Mm-hmm. Ooh. And so um, I caught my interest. I, I looked a little bit into it, but not too much. And I knew that if I went there, there probably would be a lot more easily accessible information. Mm-hmm. And so. When we went, my mom and I went to the library, and um, the library has a great like historical room, and included with that library is interesting. They had um, the newspapers.com subscription, but like only to their local papers. So I, mm-hmm. I got on the computer and we talked to the librarian, and like got access to the computer, and I looked up Mill Race Monster, and there was a bunch of reports. And a bunch of uh, a bunch of like newspaper reports, like the original stories, and so I got to work. And I started, you know, you know, taking screenshots and printing them off, and then those got collected into the you know the binder. I think my mom and I must have picked up that night. No, I put them in, and then I think we we must have gone back, and then I did like another time, and I did a little more research where I had, you know, read through these reports and found names that I figured might as well look these up in this and I that's what a few of those there's like in the back there's a few stuffed in like pictures of Mm -hmm. people and there are people that are connected to it just so you could get like you know a visual reference for story and then we of course (laughs) I love it we of course went to the the mill race park which Mm -hmm. is like right out of town and um I had read the reports and I had sort of made a and I think we had we'd scouted out already on Google Maps making like a rough guess of where these sightings actually happened and found that and I took some pictures and photos and sort of you know investigated around there and then we didn't spend a whole much a whole lot of time in Mill Race Park but we were there in like January or February like we were there in like late winter so it was cold and not very pleasant to be outside but um yeah that's binder number one (laughs) binder number two is the subject of monstropolis we're recording today sweet i'm excited about that too um so toward the end of the show as you both are familiar i ask for stories and um first i'm thinking i was gonna have you guys tell me a story together but first i i actually want to know so we're gonna do two can you please tell me the mill race monster story because mm-hmm. I don't know anything about it oh, yeah. other than the binder that I've seen with visual references. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm trying to think of when it was, I think it's late 70 mid mid. Yeah. It's mid seventies mm-hmm. in the town of Columbus, Indiana, yeah. which is in the Southern part of Indiana. It's about 
what, 45 minutes south of Indianapolis? Mm -hmm. 45 minutes to an hour south. Um, it was Halloween night, mm -hmm. and it was a group of, of, see, there's about three or four original reports that are all about identical, mm -hmm. so I may get details wrong. Mm, that's okay. But there was a, a group of people in a car, and they went down to Millrace Park, and they were just, I think they were eating food. They had gotten food to go. They are eating in their car. And um, the thing with Millrace Park is there's a river that's right, basically right when you enter the park. There's like green space, and then there's the river that winds around town. The name is lost to me right now. <laughs> but um, they were close enough to the river. They were near a boat ramp, is a thing I remember. And um, all of a sudden, um, coming from the river is this big, tall, greenish colored, some describe it as mossy, some of it describe it as like hair covered. Mm -hmm. It's this green creature with, with claws. And I think they, they describe in that first report like visible almost fangs on this thing. Mm. And it jumps up on their car and it starts like tearing at their car and they're like scratching at the car. And they're they're terrified. Yeah, the creatures still upset, and, <laughs> and they um, they eventually get the car in gear or whatever, and they get on out of there. And there's a few. I think there's another report from that night, and then there's a few other reports of people going down there, and um, sort of just seeing the thing going through the woods. Mm. Um, and then Mill Race Monster Hysteria hit Columbus, Indiana. And they had to shut down the park oh. at night because there would be so many people out there looking for this thing. Whoa. Um, there's a great illustration of this thing's face that is in the binder. And um, <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's any other details. There's a, um, some UFO Bigfoot investigator came to town. I forget who. Mm -hmm. um, but that was covered in the paper. Um, I think local law enforcement was involved in the sense that they were um, keeping, you know, the people who mm -hmm. came to the park at bay because there were people bringing guns and right. things like that to the park. Um, something that I've only found mention to, and I'm sure there somewhere is, you know, substantiating proof, is um, the thing that sort of made this really interesting in the town, at least some people, was the presence of UFO activity. Mm -hmm. This was the 70s. Yeah. seem to be UFOs everywhere, but there was like, this was in the midst of a UFO flap mm. in southern Indiana. Interesting. So the sightings, were they over like a, a shortened period of time, it like a, a week or? I think it was a, like close to a week. It was like a few okay. days if a week. And whether sightings persist till today, I think is debated. I mean, it's, it's le local legend at this point. When mm -hmm. I visited there, it didn't seem to be super popular. I don't yeah. know if that's like, it's gained more notoriety as these seem to have in like the past few years mm -hmm. i'd be interested to see if that's the case it's a great story because like you have local law enforcement like shutting things down yeah and a lot of people being interested in what was going on what it doesn't have going for it is the fact that this story does take place over halloween right and one of the sighting reports does describe it as being like a mask like the mm. face and the fact it's a green right. monster in Indiana. Mm -hmm. But um, it's a great story. Yeah, I'm a big fan of it. It's it's weird. And it's not super popular. Yeah. So if did it never gain uh, enough enough footing to be something like what Minerva did? Because for yeah, a while they think, were, yeah, they kind of embraced so. it. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think it really made national news too much. Mm -hmm. I think the AP picked up something about it or some newswire did. Yeah. And I know there were a collection of reports of it up in Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. that they ran like a front page story about this. But beyond mm -hmm. that, I don't yeah. think this story really caught on worldwide or even nationwide. Mm -hmm. Maybe now. Yep. That's out. It's resurfaced yep. again just now. Go research it. <laughs> so I don't have to. <laughs> or I will. Maybe I will. Maybe you will. Like a return trip to Columbus. Mm hmm Indiana. That sounds like a good plan. So, <clears throat> Mark and Andy, can you two work together 
to tell me a story. It doesn't have to be retelling of an actual story. I want to hear something oh. you guys have made up if you can get back to it. Just guess and each other. <laughs> is this a real Bigfoot story or is it not? We could Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is this or is this it is not? or it's going to be not, but um or don't give it away. You start it then. Cuz I don't know how to start. Mine. Okay. Well, um, let's see. Yeah, let's tell, yeah, let's tell Heather a story. I've yes. got a good one. I've got a good one. So, uh, Bigfoot researcher is what if that's all of, you said? Yeah, a Bigfoot, Bigfoot researcher. Go. A Bigfoot researcher is, you know, kind of doing his daily morning routine, checking his email, and somebody sends him uh, sort of this cryptically titled message he clicks on it and he looks into it and it's somebody who claims to have worked for the washington state um, national park service forest service Mm -hmm. around 1980 when saint mount saint helens blew Mm. its top and what is suggested in the email is um this person recalls a time uh when this person remembers hearing reports of when uh, Mount St. Helens blew, that there were, um, amid all the rubble and the, the ash and the destruction that occurred when Mount St. Helens blew, were one, if not several, Bigfoot bodies. Hmm. That's what I remember. Yes. And, and well, yeah, and of course, as these things go, um, federal government <laughs> yeah. gets involved. Yes. Oh, and they, they took the they bodies. They quiet it down and mm-hmm. they take oh, them away. Yeah, as, as he read down the email, what he, what he heard about was the fact that before any local law enforcement could be contacted, helicopters appeared oh, with big right. nets. That's right. And they took the bodies away and uh, those who are on site were asking, you know, whose authority are you acting on? They weren't given any answers. Yeah. That's the story that I remember. That's true. That's a true story. Yeah. Right. True story. Yeah. It's at the end of, yeah. It's the end of Tom Powell's, the locals. Mm. The last chapter in appendix or something. Nice. About, it may have even been more dramatic than that. Like, for some reason, I have in my mind, like, this image of a still alive Bigfoot coming out of a forest fire. Mm. See, that's another, yeah. that's a separate story. And that's what I too, almost, sure. that's what I, that's why I stuttered, okay? Was that I was going to tell that story, and then you I realized that it. wasn't it. You could have And then we would have been like, that. it's two. We it's made two it stories. One. Yeah. It we're, It's going to sound like we're doing just that on the Night Siege episode of Monster <laughs> right? Robles. That's yeah. how, like, I mean, there's no government involvement mm-hmm. that we know of. Mm-hmm. But That's because mm-hmm. they did a good job. I really did. I, I, when you started with the Mount St. Helens thing, I may be misremembering, but I, I was thinking of Bat Squatch. Is that Mount St. Helens area? Where is Bat Squatch? I, yeah, like, I, I that, thought I mean, it was around the Cascade Range. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm specifically pulling my uh, thoughts from the few moments before I fall asleep listening to Cryptid Comforts. <laughs> the first, one of the first episodes was Bat Squatch, and I remember a mountain and the bat, and then I'm out. Yeah. I'm drawing from an old Moth Boys episode. <laughs> 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 that's I, I oh, man. That. But yeah, that's, that's our story. I like it. I like it. So is this how things would normally go with storytelling? One would start and you guys would just feed off of each other? Yeah. One of us, like one of us would have an idea. Yeah. Sort of just. Have you ever written these down? No, not a lot of them. Some of them. I have a lot of the pictures that were drawn based on them. I've got a box full of those. Yeah. There were pictures. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There, these ideas, though, not written down. Some of them were very thought out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, this sounds like there should be a book or two or five made. <laughs> we'll see. Andy. <laughs> the book guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, together. It's a joint effort. I'd, I'd be down. We have to explain what the, the stories are. I like it. To remember. 
Um, you can do it again. Yeah. It's like riding a bike. Yeah, it is like yeah. a lot like that, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh well, Your thank you. Little bike from yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a little like tricycle. A, yeah, yes, tricycle as a grown adult. <laughs> so Just, it's kind of awkward. Yeah. yeah, but it gets whatever. You still get from one place to another. Yeah, it's still a mode of transportation. Technically, yeah. Sometimes it goes out of control, but it's fine. Pop a wheelie or two. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, thank you so much for being willing to talk with me. Hey, thanks thanks for you. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, hey, man, it might be again. Hey, next time <laughs> we run out of guests, when the next I time might be back. that we are snowed in for a week and I get sick, then yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so you can like, subscribe, comment below. You can email me, Heather at smalltownmonsters.com. And we have something going on right now that's extremely important to us. It's called a Kickstarter. So if you could back us there and get some really awesome rewards. We actually just passed the second stretch goal and are on our way to the third, which is a pretty big deal. Andy, what is the third stretch goal? The third stretch goal is a combo DVD set between On the Trail of Bigfoot, The Last Frontier, which mm-hmm. is our, you know, the next installment in yes. On the Trail of Bigfoot mm-hmm. um, taking place in Alaska, and Alexander Petikoff and Eli Watson's Beyond the Trail tie-in episode of The Last Frontier, which I don't know the title of that. I don't think that's been decided yet. It's a two-disc set Mm. that you will get if we surpass our next stretch goal. So if you're a fan of Beyond the Trail and you want that, because I want that as a fan of Beyond the Trail, (laughs) um, back or back more. Yeah, It's not far away. It's really not. It's 110. I yeah, one ten is the number. is the yeah. goal. Mm-hmm. That's very doable. At this yeah, point. yep. We've still got a lot of time left. Yeah, we still have a. Awesome. All right. Well, um, until next time.